so you have a budget already of what you expect, you, you know, you're where you're going to be in terms of occupancy, in terms of collections, et cetera. So, and, and revenue. So you, you already see that once you start seeing that you're not hitting your numbers, you're not hitting like, so each month you have your budget, you have your actuals, your actuals are lower from the revenue perspective. You're already at a point where if you don't know, you're going to start like missing your number unless you find out what's going on and you can make changes to it. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. everybody and welcome to multifamily missteps i'm your host jerome and you won't believe it but i got sanya rockville did i say that right yeah. who is it yeah. right yes i've been practicing and i got it right from <laughs> new york with me today i know it's kind of rare to have ladies on i scour the country and the internet looking for them and she was kind enough to share the story with me today and so you guys are in for that. Sonia, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, this is going to be outstanding. Do me a favor, tell the listeners how to get in contact with you, because I know a lot of them are hungry for folks like you when they find out about your story. Oh, well, uh, you, you can reach me on LinkedIn, Sonia Rockville, LinkedIn. You could also send me an email, Sonia at bedrockreinvestors.com. I'm also on Instagram at Sonia Rockville. Oh, see on all the social things on the interwebs, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all better be ready now. All Some right. more than others. So. Yeah. Tell me about it. Somebody said, well, wait, why is your Instagram look so different from your LinkedIn? I was like, eh, I don't know. So <laughs> with that said, let's dive into your background. Tell the world about you. I've seen you on a few podcasts. I've seen you hang out with Billy Kills and a few other people. But I want to introduce you to my people. How, who are you? What have you been doing? Okay. Well, thank you so much. So I, one of the first things I always say is I did not have to really, I was always interested in, in business. And one of my earliest mentors was somebody in church who was an accountant. And, you know, I liked business. Like, you know what? Accounting is the language business. You'll be able to kind of move through wherever that's what do that, study that undergrad. And, and that's what I did. And after that, I ended up working at what is now, you know, a big four accounting firm. So very intense. You know, I learned a lot, but I knew that I didn't want to be a partner there. So I left uh, after about three and a half, almost four years. And then I started working at a Fortune 500 company. Great experience. I got to, you know, leverage some of my, definitely some of my accounting, also my audit, but then learned other things. And then I, you know, I went part-time after work to, to work on my MBA. And after a while though, I started thinking about long-term what I wanted to do at my company. And it was, it was getting a little bit harder for me to see like where the next steps were going to be as I started going through, you know, the different groups and organizations. And again, great people, but I wasn't sure where I was actually going to end up. So 
I started, you know, I started getting fascinated with real estate. Uh, I live in New York. Real estate is all around. Real estate is all around everybody. But, you know, especially in New York, in New York City, I started reading books. I took I took this class, like a one day class on how to invest in real estate. And, you know, it really stirred something in me. And, you know, I, I was trying to figure out how am I going to make this work? with my, you know, with my corporate job, because this is really interesting. And my whole group, but so, you know, there were some changes in my company, my whole group, including myself, we were laid off. And I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to try something else. And that new thing was going to be real estate. So I was like, okay, I, I started consuming everything real estate. You know, I, I got into this commercial real estate program. I joined my local RIA. Of course, that's always the first thing that you should do. And then it was actually through that RIA, I found this group that doesn't exist anymore, but they created a pity. It, you know, it's a real estate, it was a real estate investing group and they were investing focused on multifamily and they were investing outside of New York, which was very appealing to me because prices in New York are really high. And I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to get started. And there was an opportunity to get started. So in that group, met a lot of great people. I actually, there were some deals that other people in the group had, and I started passively investing in those deals first. I, I met my joint venture partner. And then at that time, then it was like a year after I joined, you know, we, we ended up syndicating my first deal. And that was, you know, we, we syndicated my first deal in Atlanta. So that's, Ooh, that's fancy. So you just skipped over what DC and Maryland, and <laughs> Virginia, and Charlotte, and went all the way to Jordan. I mean, I may be taking a look back at those markets, but at that time, Atlanta just made a, a lot of sense and it's very, very competitive to find deals there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, Atlanta's tough right now. So that you did your first deal and I guess everything went perfectly on that deal and everyone you've done since then, right? No, actually. So, so that deal was actually, that was a, that was a good, that was a really, that was a really good deal. And so it's always funny when your first deal that you do is really good because then you think, oh, you know, how hard could this be going forward? Right. <laughs> so then, you know, over the, over the course of time, like joint venture partners kind of like expanded and, and shifted, but we, you know, we d- did four deals. We sold two of them. And then one of the deals that we did was, was very different from, from most, from the other deals because this deal was a, a much heavier lift very beginning. So most of our other deals, they, you know, they were projected to be more like cash flow deals. This one, we bought it at a low occupancy rate. We had to get a bridge loan. And so, you know, in typical fashion, we were, you know, focused on the exteriors of updates first to make changes and then, then moved into the interiors. So what we did was we were, we were so focused on, you know, we already knew that we had a bunch of vacant units because we bought it at a low occupancy rate, got those renovated. And then we were so focused on the lease up, getting that lease up processing, getting the people in. And what was frustrating was that we weren't seeing our occupancy numbers go up. Like we were, we were getting people leased. We were getting them in the door, but then, but then net, we, we were still, our occupancy rates weren't going up. So 
it was actually, it was really frustrating. So then we had to, you know, we had to start digging. And then when we were looking through in more detail, we real we realized that we had a lot of people moving out in addition to having people moving in. And actually we had more people moving out than we had people moving in. So we were there, you know, really happy to have the new people moving in. We had done so much to the exteriors, all of this work. And then some of the people that were moving out, it was fine that they had moved out. But the thing is, you really need to understand that dynamic between the move out and move in because you're going to have, you're going to be, you're not going to move the needle at all. You continue to just operate that way. So we really had to take a step back and ask, why was this happening? So as a result of that, as I was mentioning, our occupancy numbers weren't, weren't going up. And, you know, we're not collecting as much cash as we should be based on, you know, just our thoughts of what the occupancy level should have been. So what we had to do was we had to take a step back, look at the process and realize, you know what, we're going to have to make an investment and hire an additional person to do leasing. So the property already supported having two people there, like, you know, a full-time property manager and a full-time, you know, like maintenance person. It was big enough to support that. But what we realized, and fortunately, fortunately, we were able to get the crews who were doing, you know, the updates for us, they, they were able to, you know, focus on getting those newly vacated apartments up and ready also. So we were fortunate that we had that, that turn happening. But what we needed to do was make sure that we were ramping up fast enough that uh, we had enough people to fill those, those units that were becoming vacant or that were now newly vacant. So what we realized though, even though, you know, you're, you're spending more money on, on payroll costs because, you know, a property management person had to, you know, hire somebody else. At the end of the day, we were still making more money by, by having the, the apartments leased up. Like, you know, it was a cost, but the benefit exceeded the cost. And that was something that we had to do. Wow. <laughs> a lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to that episode. I love these because there's always something new. Most people don't realize when you're turning a property. Well, I guess first, how much were you raising rents after the renovation? So we were raising rents by about like, I'm going to say like about 75, about $75. Okay. And so that's a space where people can actually stay. Once you get over about 200, everybody's going to leave and it's going to be totally new residents. But if you're buying a property and there's low occupancy, the property's not behaving very well. Probably residents aren't paying rent. And when the new sheriff shows up, 
they're not going to like all the rules. And so they're going to not call the office and say they're moving out. They're going to skip. <laughs> they're going to move in the middle of the night. They're going to leave all of their stuff. <laughs> and you're going to go and say, hey, why isn't rent getting paid? And you're going to knock on the door and you realize your unit's been vacant for probably a month, if not more, if you haven't been checking a little more regularly. And it's all good until you realize that your income's not going to come in. You're in a bridge loan. That couldn't have been fun because that interest rate was a little bit higher. And yeah, your interest rates are higher. Yep. So, but it did, it did speed up where you ended up from a projections or from an actual revenue standpoint after you got the problem fixed, right? You probably realized your rent or your income for year two or year three because you went through it quicker, right? Yeah. That, I mean, that, I mean, that really helped us get, get up there. So like after that, after we realized, okay, we really need another person on here by the end of that quarter, we were now at the part where we had more move ins than move outs. And then like we started seeing the bump up happening like each month, the bump up of the, the occupancy happening each month. So, you know, we, we had to figure out where we were getting stuck in the process and then, you know, make, make those adjustments for that. And so you still have to be diligent in your screening. Cause that's the thing. Also, the other balance is you don't want to hurry up and bring somebody in and then they come in and then they can't pay the next month. Like that doesn't help you months, you know, waiting, especially in, in, you know, in COVID to, you know, for them to, to then leave. So it, it, you still have to exercise some discipline, you know, in, in your screening process. And then at the same time, but at the same time, you're trying to move people through, you know, as quickly as possible. And also it's, it's also a lot of follow up is required too. When you, you may, somebody may say, okay, yep, I'm interested. Send them an application. You don't hear for them day one, day two. You got to be on it, like calling them back, like, Hey, I know you were interested. We need you to submit the rest of your paperwork. There's what you get back in paperwork. It's not good. <laughs> and you realize that like it's, it's actually like not even accurate when people verify, like try to verify employment, try to verify like other things. And so you, you know, that's where you need that screening happen. You know, your, your main, you know, property management person that's on site. They are really managing a lot of things. They're managing a lot of things and would normally be able to do with deal with regular turnover. But if you have, you know, a situation where you have more than an ordinary number of units vacant, like, you know, you're at like 70, 75 unit occupancy, 20, you know, 25% vacant, you're, you may need some, some additional support and actually you likely need some additional support. So you should definitely consider that. Ooh. Okay, so I've got two questions because I think you're the first accountant I've talked to so far, certified public accountant, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the what reports are you looking at to say, hey, this is what's happening, so you could like from a financial reporting standpoint identify the issue? Because I always talk about going through the PNL and kind of figuring out what you can improve or what the problem is. So what did you see that signaled, hey, something's wrong here? Right. So one of the triggers, one of the very first triggers is you're putting together, you're putting together your budget. Uh, so you have a budget already of what you expect 
you know, you're where you're going to be in terms of occupancy, in terms of collections, et cetera. So, and, and revenue. So you, you already see that once you start seeing that you're not hitting your numbers, you're not hitting like, so each month you have your budget, you have your actuals, your actuals are lower from the revenue perspective. You're already at a point where if you don't know, you're going to start like missing your number unless you find out what's going on and you can make changes to it. So the very first thing is what was your, you know, what was your revenue? Where did you plan on your revenue being? What's your occupancy? Like, what did you plan your occupancy to be? And then that's going to be one of the triggers for you. The other, the other thing that uh, it's not, well, I guess it could be standard and for, for most, but we have it for our property manager. They have a part of their like summary report is tracking move-ins and tracking move-outs. So that right there really helped to really solidify the story because you could literally see it. Wow. This month we had a whole bunch of people moving out and like you realize, you you know, you, you have, you're having your, you know, weekly conversations with your property manager. So you know that there's, you know, that there's activity happening, but we were just so focused on the lease up and our brand new shiny units that, you know, you needed to make sure that you're also understanding what's happening with the, you know, the entire picture as well. Love it. Okay. And then the second question that I had is, was there a financial impact for you overall on the deal? Or were you able to just get the new stuff moved in, new people moved in, turn the units? I assume you raised all the money to do all of the units in the beginning. And just kind of walk me through that because the financial. Right. So, so this was different because we had a, we had a bridge loan. What it was is, and it was actually, it was almost like a, like a, it was think of it as like a line of credit. So when we needed to do the turns or updates or major CapEx projects that we planned, that's when we drew down on the loan. So we raised some of the money, but we didn't have to raise all of the CapEx up front because it was coming from the bridge loan. So that's, that's why, you know, bridge loans can be a, a good tool because it, it, it kind of helps. You just have to manage and balance between, you know, what, what projects are you going to be looking at? So, you know, what projects are, are going to be there? And then the lender is going to want to, they're, they're going to inspect it too. So, you know, you need to kind of have your plan up front of how the money is going to be used and, and utilized. And then, you know, you're drawing down on the, on that utilization. And then, then at that, that increases your, you know, your payment. So one thing that was fortunate is, you know, we, we did have, you know, we had the money to cover the, the, the more, the mortgage. And it was, you know, it's like an interest only loan in the beginning. So we definitely had the funds to, you know, to cover that. We just had to manage through some of the, you know, some of the other like operating costs as well. But, Ultimately, you you want to you know identify anything that may may cause you to to be far off your target for any sustained period of time because that's going to have overall longer term implications too. So <laughs> I may be stereotyping, but hopefully it's okay. You're an accountant. There was a bunch of variation and swing in the project. Like, what did that do for you? Is it like a sinking feeling in your tummy? Or were you okay with all the plugs? Like, how did that go? Because the plant budget and actual did not match. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 the thing that, that I would say is, and this is, this is also the auditor in me. It's, um, always asking why, like, 
why, why is this happening? And you now you have to be willing to, to really dig deep sometimes to find out, to find out the issue. So, you know, a lot of times you kind of have to wade through a lot of the details, but you always have to ask that, that reason why, even if something is good. So like, you know, we've seen this happen, like, oh, wow, collections were super this month. Great. But my question is, do, do you know why that happened? Like why, what caused that? The reason you want to know that is because especially if you were having a trend where, you know, you may not have had strong collection month and all of a sudden, boom, one month you do, you know, was there something macro that happened like stimulus checks or was it that everybody else, everybody on the property just, you know, got all their jobs back and everybody's working again. And so is that just a one-time bump or is it something that's going to, you're going to be sustained? And so that can kind of help to prepare you like, okay, we got this one-time bump. We, you know, we may not, we may not see that again, or we may not see that happen as quickly or, you know, what's happening with, you know, what other, what other ways can we try to get the, you know, the, the funds if we're not, if we're, you know, if, if this was just a one-time bump. So then it has you thinking more about how to plan out, you know, your next, your upcoming months. So that's why, you know, sometimes it's, I, I know it's kind of nauseating sometimes when people are like, why did this happen? Why did, why did that happen? But, it, but that's what helps you understand how your property is really functioning. It, it helps you understand your, your property's personality at that time. Wow. And so down to the final two questions. One, did you make any changes to your process to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again? Or is this just kind of the nature of the beast of investing in a heavy lift deal? A, you know, one of the things that I, I'm taking away from this is definitely planning that, you know, if you have, you're doing a heavy lift deal, you have heavy lease ups happening, you have a large number of vacancies, definitely be prepared to have at least one other, you know, another person to help with the lease ups. And then also make sure that you have your turn crews also ready. Thankfully for us, we, they, they were ready because they were already on site doing the, the, the work for the, you know, for the units that we had planned on already updating. So then when people left, we were able to, you know, also deploy them onto, into the other site, onto the other apartments as well. So, you know, if you have a low occupancy, make sure that you're, you're really tight holding on to your contractors who are going to do your work and realize that you have to probably make another investment in, you know, lease ups so that you can, you can speed up and expedite that process because it's a long process. It may seem like, oh yeah, somebody said they want to do it. There's an application done. You're done. No, (laughs) it's a lot more than that. There's screening. There's a whole bunch of other things that happen and there's a lot of follow-up. So it takes longer than you think. Wow. I I know I said two more questions, but I got to ask, how'd you compensate the extra leasing person? So we, so, so they, so they were, we, uh, so the, the property manager found them from like a a temp, you know, organization that, you know, that, that they use and tap into for extra resources. And then we also, we also gave them a little extra, a little extra bonus too for, for their help and assistance. Okay. So it wasn't like they were taking half the month's rent or a whole month's rent for finding. Correct. Yeah. There was a contracted price. So so that's, you know, that was something that we looked at, like how much are we paying, you know, per hour for this person? We had like a number of, of hours that we had, we had to then now do 
like a sub budget, if you will, of like, okay, now that we have to bring in this additional resource, how much is that costing us? And then, you know, how much are we, how much are we getting in rent? Does it make sense? Yeah, it's positive. Do it. Because <laughs> we need to wow. have <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. And then the last question that we always wrap up with is what's a word of wisdom that you can give to our listeners? I would say for that is no one cares about your property more than you. So you really, you know, don't be afraid to get into the details of what's happening on your property because you're really the one who has the, you know, the, the main interest, whether it's just for you for, cause you own it all right. Or on behalf of your investors. So, you know, you, you're, you're the one that has to do the detailed work to make sure things are going the right way. Wow. Awesome. Sonia, thank you so much for sharing with the listeners today and to the pack. This here was exciting. You, you want to get into the details. You want to make sure that you understand how your property is behaving and understanding the why, not just celebrating the wins, because there's something to be learned in each one. Until the next time, we'll talk soon. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.